0: Welcome to the uh, Loyal's Book Club podcast, a podcast dedicated to reading through Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series, starting with The Dragon Reborn. (laughs) I'm Dalen. Hello, I'm your first-time reader, Eric. And I'm a very well-seasoned veteran of the book, meaning I've read the book series once. So I wanted to give Eric the floor right now. He is a first-time reader, and just kind of let him talk about his feeling source of Wheel of Time right now, about the book, and kind of just where you are in your
1: Wheel of Time journey. Yeah, totally. So uh, for anybody tuning in, a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm, I'm in my late 20s. I'm an actor out here in LA. I've pretty much always been interested in creative things, uh, if it's performance or writing or anything. I also have read a ton of sci-fi and fantasy, uh, but this one actually kind of escaped my radar until Dalen uh, bought me the first book as a gift and. So my first impression is so far, um, this feels a lot like Lord of the Rings, you know, uh, especially the first two books. It feels like it is totally set in a, you know, kind of like a, I wouldn't say cookie cutter, but it feels like it takes the best tropes of common fantasies and that's its background. And only now, probably in the last, you know, book and a half I've been on, I've been starting to see it really break away from that and really start developing its own culture or, you know, really growing the gardens of the seeds it planted in the first book. So, so far, uh, I'm actually a little suspicious of you, Dalen. Uh, mm-hmm. I know us starting in the middle of the third book was a bit of a a logistics thing, but I'm also feeling like, Some shit's about to get real. (laughs) Uh, So, so far, I love it. Uh, The strengths so far that I've found with it, there's a very impressive cast of characters that all are very different from each other. Um, You know, I love fantasy. I love uh, maybe not many of these fantasy writers I'm about to label, but like the Harry Potter series. I love that. I love that we had our group of kids that we could root for and they're all very different. Uh, you know, Ender's Game, I love that all the children are are very different, even though they're all like hyper geniuses and stuff. And Wheel of Time does such a great job of assigning everybody their personality and kind of making that as a promise to the reader that that's what they're always going to be. Uh, Absolute strength. For sure. Uh, Overall, overall, I'm really impressed. And I'm waiting for it to take off from its uh, kind of usual fantasy setting that I'm a little too used to.
0: Yeah. I'm going to argue with you a little bit with uh, the setting, because Edmonds Field, the very first book, is very Shire, very Lord of the Rings-esque. But I think with the second book, as the kids have gone as far away from their home as they have, it's kind of, especially we've gotten to meet White Cloaks, we've gotten to meet probably the most horrifying uh, culture the shan chan in uh, the great hunt we kind of get to see a little bit more of a world and especially more with uh we've been in the white tower with the ice to i believe in that sort of time the fantasy books kind of needed a lord of the rings esque take and so it's that's what uh robert jordan did with eye of the world and then i feel like he kind of went okay we did that let me expand on it a little more with The Great Hunt, you know?
1: Yeah, you know what? I actually really agree with that. And I think you bring up a really good point that one of the more defining aspects of this book in this series that really does set it apart from other fantasies are the factions. You know, you you brought up the White Cloaks. You know, we have our... Um, actually, you know what? I should put this little disclaimer out there. I am a first-time reader, so I am going to absolutely butcher names and pronunciations so dalen if you could just gently uh correct me after any mistakes oh you are totally fine
0: because i fully read the series and halfway through realized i was pronouncing most of the names wrong oh i'm positive i am all right so
1: give us your first butchered name all right so we got the factions you know we've got the white cloaks and we have the asd Isidai. Isidai. okay i'm uh you know what? If I was a smarter man, I would have brought a notebook to phonetically write these out, but I am not. So you might have to correct me multiple times. And to all of our longer term fans, I am so sorry. I'm not doing it to be mean. I promise. So give give that pronunciation to me one more time. I-cidi. <laughs> I-cidi? I-cidi? i isidee, yeah, i isidee. Yeah, isidee. I'm saying that right now. All right, keep going. Uh, I'm really loving how fleshed out these groups are becoming, and how. You know, a lot of fantasy really feels like we have the one big bad guy and we do have that in this book. But the way that they're making it so much more expansive and such a wider scope of everyone being involved is easily probably the the coolest way that I've seen a fantasy series really make me feel like I was dropped inside of a world and I'm exploring it rather than getting spoon fed the information. I really do feel like you know, you run into these groups and you know what, you're not going to know everything about them right then, but you're going to you are going to keep running into them and it's going to be very apparent who they are and what they want.
0: You spend the first book really with Moraine and it is, you're kind of on the side of the Edmunds field and you're like, ooh, what is this Aes Sedai want? What does she want? And then you go into the second book and they're even more just like, wait, what is this? And then you realize there's a darker uh, side to it with, Leandrin's betrayal at the end of the Great Hunt, where she gives Egwene uh, over to the Sha'anghan. That's what that was. My first, like, oh, this is getting a little crazy. And I think Robert Jordan does such a good job with writing these characters that mm-hmm. have their own motives, and it all feels believable. Um, and I think even sparking fear with the Forsaken, because you've mm-hmm. met, uh, you have uh, Agenor and Balth- Balthamel, who were an eye of the world, and they are dead. Uh, Basimon.
1: Yeah, they 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 beefed it pretty pretty fast and hard for my liking. I I felt like I just got to know them and they were gone. Oh yeah, <laughs> no,
0: it's a fairly it was a fairly quick death for Aganor and Balthamel. Um, and then you have uh, you got introduced to uh, Lanfear in book two, who is a very. I'm curious to know your thoughts about her.
1: You know, it's it's funny because it would be so easy to call this a good versus evil book, and kind of like you know the shadow versus the light, or you know Rand against uh, our our big bad. And I really don't think it's that black and white. So as far as she goes. I think she's kind of weaving her own web. I think she's going to be a bit of a kind of a solo player in this. And I just, I don't think it's going to be as easy as good and bad, you know? So I I see her being, being a big player. I see her kind of mucking up a lot of our heroes plans, uh, especially just from the ease in which she kind of came in and out of uh Rand's <laughs> narrative for a bit there. It was really, really freaky. So I'm I'm excited to see what's coming down the pike.
0: Oh yeah. No, landfear is definitely one of those uh characters where you're kind of wondering, what are you what are you waiting for? You know, what do you <laughs> what do you got? And I think you're gonna have a lot of fun finding more Forsaken as we go on. Um I think there was also a Balzamon in books one and two uh that is also and then um and then uh can like i should know if there are any in uh the third book
1: uh i i haven't run into any yet as far as i remember and i think a lot of that is because we are so worried about rand at large (laughs) for the moment at least in this first half that i'm that i'm on yeah. And you know what? Actually, it's, it's funny because I know I kind of uh, gave it a bit of the stiff arm on this is uh, reeking of old fantasy. And I will say a bit of that is going away because each city definitely has its own identity. It definitely has its own feeling. Like this one, I got a, a pretty big like uh, uh, Baton Rouge kind of vibe with how how the humidity and kind of the fish markets and stuff. And I totally know I'm I'm, uh, I'm probably wrong, but it's my imagination. So I will imagine it like that.
0: Oh, no, you're totally good. Um, yeah, no, Robert Jordan does a great job of building each culture. So, you know, just by the way, someone talks where they are from and Illyanners are uh, notorious. They, God, I will not be able to replicate it. It sounds Scottish in my head, like, oh, that do be no my business. Like, so anytime a character is like that do be no or do we do. Yeah, it's a very specific (laughs) speech pattern that you're like, it's so well done. (laughs) Um, But speaking of, I think I want to get into chapters uh, 41 and 42.
1: Yeah, so the, that's the chapters we're reading today. I guess we should have put this at the top. We'll we'll figure out a, a real intro to the show. But uh, this is your spoilers warning. So if you have not read chapters 41 or 42, we will be discussing them in depth. And uh, I don't expect anyone to be here just stumbling on this podcast. But just in case you are not there yet or have not started, uh, this is your spoiler warning officially.
0: Yeah. So prepare to get spoiled.
1: let's get into it though
0: so what are your initial like reactions to these two chapters
1: first reaction off the top is yes we are back with Perrin baby I love (laughs) air horns I love Perrin Ibarra so much Uh, I cannot tell you how happy I am whenever it gets back to his perspective
0: nice um, is he your top amongst the Emmonsfield five or?
1: Yes. Okay. I mean, oh, that's hard. Cause it's like, if we're just ranking them, if we're just going with a gut reaction, yes, he's my number one, okay. but they are, I, I love each of those five so much in their own ways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's funny because normally I'm. I am so boring. I am so like, yes, who is our protagonist that I am most like? And they are, it's like, oh yes, Rand, I'm going to love Rand because that's who I'm supposed. But then we break out into these perspectives and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, Rand is, uh, he's fine and he's got his journey, but I'm really digging this parent guy. And as we went further and further, I was like, oh no, this is, this is my new favorite.
0: Oh yeah. Well, especially because Rand has been going through it a little bit with, in these, last three books and so you're just like oh buddy and so when you get to see the world from nine Ave's perspective or Egwene's perspective or now you finally got matt's POV in the dragon reborn and matt is the wheel yes. type of that's their like their number one ride or die uh matt is uh like the favorite uh, delusions of Grendel just asked, What tipped you off to Rand going through it? Was it the mass murdering, or uh, you know, <laughs> it could have been many things.
1: You know, there's there's some clever, cleverly hidden clues that uh Rand is going through it, and if you miss them, uh, we will we'll do a section on uh, oh, what yeah. tipped us off. It's, no. Well, I remember talking to you actually pre uh, you know, before we even had the idea to do a show about it or anything, but I remember talking to you of like, you know, I, I just feel like Matt's a bit of a jerk. I really, I can't really connect with him. I don't really like him. You know, he's, he's kind of dis where it's like, no, you got to be your friend. And I remember you even saying like, well, if you're friends with a, an atomic bomb, you'd probably be a little nervous. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, yeah, but I just can't get, I can't get behind this Matt guy. I can't get behind his character. And then, we get his perspective and that chapter is written so well from that perspective. I do think that's one of the talents of these series is I just thought I was in his head and so much made sense. There was so much justification. There was so much just like, "Oh, I know who Matt is and damn it, I kind of yeah, like him." Matt <laughs>
0: is a very charming just little douchebag, you know. He
1: He's a little shit. He is, and he knows it, and we oh, love yeah. him for I it. I think
0: there is something very endearing about Matt, because I don't think he has a malicious bone in his body. He just is kind of like, I'm doing my own thing, man. Um,
1: yeah, I will say, I, if we're kind of ranking you know, our, our five right now, he is number three oh, nice. to me. He, he's up there. Oh. He's up there. Not my number two, so but, it, but he's uh, up there.
0: Perrin is number one. Rand is number two. Yep. Uh Matt is
1: number three. So uh actually Rand is not even my number two. Rand is my number four.
0: Oh, yeah. Wait, who's your number
1: two? I I I liked him and he started to uh he started to lose a bit of his luster when I started realizing that we weren't just going to have one hero and one boy we were going to follow. Uh the other yeah. characters and just how rich and complex they were kind of started getting the spotlight, and I really loved them That is fair. But, uh,
0: yeah, this is Rand's sort of, uh, break in the third book. He kind of like steps back a little bit, oh, boy, because needs a break. to get the others, uh, shine. Oh yeah. He needs a huge, huge break. Um, so I am curious, sorry, I keep like jumping in what, like if you, so,
1: who is your five? <laughs> uh, so number one, it is Perrin. I love Perrin. I, I love his character. And also I love him in this kind of world of magic we're building. I love what he's got going on. I love that he's got this this wolf connection that that isn't quite, uh, uh, isn't quite, what, what's the magic source they call it? It wouldn't be the pattern, but it's not Sidar. Oh, the power? Yeah, it's not part of the power. It's something uh... older and more natural. I, I absolutely love that. Uh number two yeah. is uh and please uh correct me if I'm wrong pronouncing it, uh Egwene. 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 Okay, not hey, I wasn't too far off. Uh she's my number two because out of everyone, I actually see I see most of myself in her in a very weird way. Just her oh. her aptitude and her drive for things kind of the thing that keeps her going. Uh I and th- again, this was like another character I thought was like, okay, it's you know we got the uh, we got the cute girl that the farmer likes and uh, but no, uh, uh, very recently, especially in this uh, in uh, the the hunt, the second book. Oh man, some of the stuff she goes yeah. through was incredible. Like it, it the just...
0: capture with the Sean Chan, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And then uh, five is uh, uh, she. It... Oh yeah, go for it. Sorry.
0: Oh, sorry. No, Egwene is a character that I noticed the second time around. I love her kind of unflappable ambition. No, and she like, just kind of went, I'm leaving the two reverts. It it, it, like,
1: it it feels like it feels like a Moraine Jr. and I'm here for it. Nice. All
0: right. So number two is a Uh
1: Keep going. Uh, third is Matt. Love, love him. Love the little shit. <laughs> and then uh, four is uh, Rand. Uh, I do think he's going to get a bit more to do, but as the books have progressed, he's gotten just a little less interesting to me as a solo character. I also can't deny that, like, that's one of the strengths of these books of like, you don't have, you don't have your Harry Potter, you know, you don't have Ender. You've got, you've got the whole weave of these characters and how their you know actions and interactions kind of affect everyone uh and then five five is uh uh, nine eve uh she's, she's she's my number five though i i think she's gonna get some more stuff to do and she has gotten a lot more interesting since she went to the white tower i think uh kind of getting into her character from, you know, becoming a wisdom to basically becoming a student again is a very interesting
0: Oh, for sure. All of these characters go on very, very, very interesting journey. It'll be very interesting to see how the rankings change throughout the series because, again, these characters go through a lot and it's just kind of your visceral reaction to it. Me personally, my top four or top five is uh, Nynaeve is number one, Matt, Rand, no wait, that's wrong. Number one is Nineve. Egwene, Rand, Matt, Perrin.
1: Ooh, yeah, we got pretty, uh, pretty opposite list there. It's
0: a thing of, I will also see how my Evans Fields 5 continue on this reread with you.
1: Yeah, that's, that's where they're sitting now as far as like general interest goes. And I am, you know, uh, this far in, I am totally ready to basically be taken on a ride. I know things are going to change. I know the stakes are going to get so much higher and like right. things are going to happen that I might not be happy about, yeah. but ultimately are going to be part of a good story. Just don't hurt my baby parent. As a great Robert Jordan once said, read and find out.
0: So back to the matter at hand, um... So, on Perrin's journey, he has met an Aiel, an Aiel named uh, Gaul but he yeah. has also met Zareen. And it is one of my favorite moments of Perrin's uh, arc with uh, In the Dragon Reborn, because it very much has the energy of a kid who got paired with a te- both okay. the teachers on the field trip, because it's like, his friends both of his friends yeah. are away and now he's just like left with moraine and lawn just like boop, boop. uh so
1: what are we gonna do yeah you know uh th- that might have been something i actually forgot to mention of uh kind of an overall why i like this series or why it's interested me i absolutely love the prophecies that they set out the the readings the uh the the clairvoyance and the uh you know what would you call it being able to see the future that kind of stuff and just knowing that these things are getting planted and will get honored and so meeting the falcon oh i was so excited so so excited as the series progresses i encourage you to kind of go
0: back read them and kind of go oh so that's what this meant
1: oh, oh my god i can't i can't believe i missed this Min Min said that with the of pal- the Falcon parent, you've also got a comfy pillow under your head, yeah, and, and it looks Parents like you're going to be safe hair. for for the duration of your life. Oh, that's that's good, parent. I'm I'm very happy. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, you poor sweet summer show. <laughs> I feel like to save myself from any pain, I should just hang it up and go. Yep, that was a good book. <laughs> a lot of a lot of things unanswered, but all my boys and girls are safe, and I love it. <laughs> But yeah, you're right. This this did feel like Perrin is kind of off on his field trip. And, you know, he doesn't have his friends with him. And uh, that's yeah. something I really appreciate about this series so far is that each of the boys are exactly that. They're boys. You know, they're they're growing up. They're learning. And I love when we get into Perrin's head about that, about how kind of soft he is and how he he does have this outlook. Everyone kind of expects him to be very bullish and mannish, and you know he was very a waxsmith, gentle but on man. the inside. He's very, he's very timid. He is, and I, I love that. He liked to think think
0: things through, if possible. And so he's met his complete foil with Zareen, and the interactions with her and Moraine are some of my favorite. And especially as we uh, start in on the chapter, they are just arriving. And Perrin is kind of, like, watching Mm -hmm. Ilion as they arrive in the docks. And he is also noting how uncomfortably awkward it is aboard the ship. Like, Perrin just says, Loyal is below deck, sweating his ass off because he does not want to be up here. And it's so good. But I'm curious to know your thoughts on Zareen.
1: This is another one of those things where, you know, I'm I'm kind of, I've been around the the book or two now. I kind of get, I kind of get Jordan's style a bit more. And if there's one thing he's very strong at, it is planting the seeds that will bloom later. And the biggest takeaway I had from this was, oh, Zareen is a, is a huntress. You know, she's, she's a hunter after the horn. I think that's oh, yeah. going to come into play that, <laughs> that you know, she has this very strong want, this strong desire to do this, and they're kind of withholding the information about that. Oh, interesting. That. And so I kind of see her forming these strong relationships and bo- uh, bonds to these characters, and then I feel like that's going to be a bomb that's going to drop off. Uh, so that, that was my first impression. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I also get the sense that she and Perrin are going to be uh, at the very least, together for a very, very long time. <laughs> he definitely
0: angst about her a little bit, especially in uh, 41, because I feel like she... And she also plays on that. Like, she is constantly teasing him. Like, at one point, she, like, makes him jump.
1: Oh, I, I love it. I really like her, just off the bat. I kind of like that she makes Perrin a little uneasy. I could totally see this being a romantic or like a sibling relationship. And I love that it's not defined at the top there. It's like she just kind of gets his goat in a way that nobody else does. And I love that we're going to be able to experience that for for a while. Oh, yeah, because I think she's so different from the girl's parents
0: probably used to in the Two Rivers. And here's Zareen, this 17-year-old girl who's
1: like, so I traveled... Far from home to be a hunter of the horn what's up yeah that's that's the other thing she is just kind of a badass and it doesn't feel like she's uh she's putting on a front or you know anything like that it, it feels very much like oh, a true yeah. character and just having that desire so clear at the top is is such a strong point of these books of like when we meet a character we know who they are the minute we meet them and i love that i think uh the the horn is going to be a bit of a uh, a time bomb later. <laughs> Yeah, because Matt
0: already... its The Horn of Valyr has already been blown at the end of The Great Hunt. And so it's like we every time Zareen says, mm-hmm. I'm getting the Horn of Valyr, and we're just like, oh, sweetie, oh no. The dramatic irony. Robert Jordan <laughs> loves him some dramatic irony. Oh, Zul brings up a great point. The, uh, chapter 41 is called A Hunter's Oath, uh, which, if you recall... To uh fail like you said, is a hunter, and not fail Zareen.
1: Well, she's got two names. That's not and a spoiler, She, she goes promise. by that. So I guess I guess some, I guess something's in the works for that. I'll keep an eye out. It's, it's so we're
0: just referring to her as Zareen. Zareen has taken the the oath, the hunter. So it comes into play in this one because they're getting off, and Moraine is very much like, "Hey, please go away." As Aes Sedai, as humanly possible, she's saying, do you really want to go through with this? Because when they get into town, Loyal and everyone else can really, really tell that something is wrong about the city, you know? Especially in 42, there's such a tension in this chapter because we know they're following after Rand, and we have seen the effects of Taviran wherever he goes and so you're kind of waiting like what's gonna happen here
1: you know right well and i think one of the more brilliant uh elements of jordan's writing in this last in these last couple of chapters was he does a very good job of keeping the rules in place you know things happen for a certain way and in a certain way and he's written moraine and lon to be these badass warriors and fighters. And they're scared in this one. There there comes a point where Perrin realizes he should be scared because they are scared and they are never scared. So if they are, you know something big is brewing. And I absolutely loved that type of setup to to really know that like, oh, the stakes are high. The, these aren't untouchable heroes. They very much, you know, there is a, a rhyme and a reason. The Wheel of Time very much serves as almost
0: like a deconstruction of The Gleeman stories that all of these kids are used to hearing, you know, where it feels like everyone's invincible and, you know, nothing bad can happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the matter of months since they've left Emmons Field, it's just stuff's gone down. Shit's gone down with them. And so I am curious to know your thoughts if you have Mm -hmm. any idea of how this
1: book will end. Well, uh, yeah, so I just got back into reading after a bit of a hiatus. So I've got a bit of the book under my belt that still doesn't feel fresh. But from one of the things I can remember, uh, and it might be a bit more obvious because it is a part of the cover art, but the dream involving the sword, that sort of light that is supposed to not be touched or, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of prophecy and stuff surrounding that. So I think that's our big uh, MacGuffin of this book. I think that's the big thing to kind of get. Otherwise, I do think personal arcs are going to kind of uh, bloom a little bit more. I do think Perrin's going to find his place in the wolf world a little bit, whether that's him totally not joining or something. I do think something's going to get pushed because I think time and time again, Hopper keeps coming up and says he's too young or something like that in his dreams. You're here too strongly, young bull. Um, so I think something's going to happen with that. Uh, my biggest, I don't know what's going to happen and I'm a little afraid is what's going on with Moraine and Lon because they are like, they're probably my favorite couple in that book as far as a coupling goes, because they are so strong in just being what, you know, the, the warder to, uh, uh, ice, uh, are, um, but I'm scared. I'm actually kind of scared that Moraine has put in these preparations essentially that she might die or might know her time is coming and that he's going to be compelled to another you know either going back to the White Tower or or getting rebonded to someone else or something yeah. so I'm, I'm I'm nervous about that one and I think that's going to. it's develop. interesting that you mentioned that because in book two
0: there's a chapter where uh, Lorraine and Lon are with these other Aes Sedai they've kind of like broken off a little bit and they, it, there is a moment between them where moraine kind of jokingly goes, you know, I'll uh, send you away to another Aes Sedai. And so whatever those seeds are planted, I don't know. Well, I do know, but for the sake of this, I don't know. But yeah. um, yeah, that is actually very interesting. So you think this might blow up in Moraine's face?
1: I think so. I think you know it it it's hard because that I think that is the brilliance of the uh mysticism that surrounds the the uh, Aes Sedai, that you know there is a mysticism to them. There is a we don't know everything as the reader because even in in the world, you know, unless you're in that circle, you don't have 100% of all the facts. So, I think either she is one of the ultimate puppet tiers in this book and she might give us a fake out where it's like, we think she's dead, but she actually had was one step ahead the whole time. Or this might be one of the bigger permanent deaths that moves the story a bit. Uh, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping it's the former and not the latter because I love Moraine. I love kind of how she's the sounding board for, for our fielders and stuff. But I do think her plans are, are unraveling a bit more, you know, she's following, She's following Rand, and she's following this purpose she's on. And she's either going to follow that through its completion or to her death. That's, that's the only two things I see happening. Right. Because, again,
0: Moraine mentioned she's been hunting the Dragon Reborn for 20 years. You know? And it's mm-hmm. such this interesting thing of, I don't know if when she expected to find the Dragon Reborn, if he would be... This yes, I accept my duty. I will do it. And she is like disheartened to find he's some sh- uh sheep herder in some tucked away village who's kinda like, Yeah, uh quit talking to me, dude, you know, who's kind of resisted her at every opportunity.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess we can't talk about her without talking about Rand, because yeah, he's kind of, you know, her her thing that she's hunting after and his story I think It's, you know, for some reason, I keep coming back to the prologue of the first book, and the, I think that's the breaking of the world, right? Yes, and and that's when the, uh, that's kind of where we get the, is that where we get the taint and why people can't, or men can't channel and stuff, Or, or was that from the breaking of the world?
0: That, I think is, I think right now, I'm going to call that a read and find
1: out. Perfect. So... As far as my prediction goes, then I think Rand is going to find himself in an almost exact parallel situation, if not the exact situation, because there's been some hints of almost like, you know, reincarnation, or even if you know, you're a different person, you are the same person I've been hunting from the beginning of time. So I just feel like Rand is going to go through some pain at the end of this book and i'm so afraid because i don't think he can take much more Dalen. i really don't (laughs) but i think something bad's gonna happen to rand and all i can say with regarding rand's pain
0: read and find out that that, that's all i can say (laughs) because he goes through it
1: i i i believe you because that's the other thing of like there's so many natural conclusions and kind of natural endings that i don't think are going to happen in this book because that's that's exactly right. We have so many more books to go through. And like I said, I I think I think in your clever mind, there's something that's going to happen in this book, where things are going to change. It is not going to be the fantasy I thought it was from the first two books ago. And uh, I'm really scared. I'm really scared for all, all the ones I love out there. Because even just seeing what they went through in the last two books, just knowing that we have Way more books and way more uh nefarious things we can put them through. I'm I'm scurred. (laughs) Just tell me just tell me parents gonna be okay. Just tell me parents' gonna be okay. As the
0: great Robert Jordan once said, read and find out. I um I do (laughs) wanna talk about uh A little bit more about chapter 42 with them going into easing the badger. Uh, Speaking of your boy Perrin. So they get into easing the badger at the inn, and there's a girl there singing about very sexual things, and Perrin is blustered. He says, She launched into another verse, and when Perrin realized what she was singing, his face grew hot. He had thought nothing could shock him after seeing Tinker Girls dance, but that had only hinted at things. This girl was singing them right
1: out. And I wrote in my annotation, anal? (laughs) You know, it, it goes back to what I was saying that I, what I love about Perrin. He's, he is pretty innocent. He's, he is gentle. And, you know, he might look like a man and he might be built like a man, what with the blacksmith muscles, but he, he is still a boy a bit, you know, that, that innocence, that very much that sexual innocence is still intact. And I'm actually really looking forward to that being addressed a bit more because I think, especially from his perspective, that can be such a beautiful kind of character changing event. Uh, I especially liked it because they're, they're traveling through, they're hunting after Rand and basically they can tell that he's been there because weird things are happening. People are either, you know, getting married on the spot. Uh, I think in this one, you know, a lot of people are just grumpy and then here yeah you, you've you got this this girl singing these things and i was wondering if if you could confirm this or not if that was a rand passing through or if that if it's just a little looser out in ilion like that uh
0: it's just it's the district that they're in uh it gets a, it's a little frisky it's i believe it's a little farther away from the palaces of ilion it's very much the kind of like not red like district but it's like the drinks are cheap the drinks are cheap and the girls are pretty you know it's that sort of thing
1: um and you know i can't speak for everybody but i actually do appreciate robert jordan's way of describing things just as a man um it never felt gross but i think there's a a distinct line in there after after what goes down, which we'll talk about here goes down. And I think it's the same girl kind of like covering her bosom. Cause it's like a little bit revealed, but you know, like I've, I've got a bit of a problem with like Stephen King and some of these other guys, like just going into oh, detail yeah. about like two pages of like a woman's breasts or something. So I appreciate a bit of the, you're a reader. You can imagine what you want to imagine here it is, but we're not going to get yeah. gross about it. I, I absolutely loved it. Robert Jordan loves the power of suggestion and fading to black.
0: I think that's where his strengths lie. And especially with this, you know, especially after a lot of grim, dark fantasy, like Game of Thrones had such a hold on the media yeah. where it's like every 20 seconds, someone's getting like murdered or raped, or like you spend three pages describing a woman's no, areolas you. or something like that, you know, where Robert Jordan, it's almost more, this is the wrong word, innocent almost like there is some really brutal things happening but it's not it's seen through the lens of three farm boys who probably would scream if they saw a woman's ankles i don't know
1: (laughs) yeah no it it, it's not graphic and it doesn't need to be and i think you're exactly right because he does go to some dark places and i think uh getting into um oh god what, what what was the merchant's name? Like, that oh. got mind control. Having
0: fame? Yeah.
1: Yes. Like, when we get his little bit of perspective and, like, what that was like in his head and stuff, you know, that doesn't even have to be graphic. And it was still horrific. Like, it was absolutely oh, yeah. like, oh, my God. I, I, The stakes are so high. This is described in such a way that, you know, there's real danger in this fictional universe.
0: Oh, yeah. I think... And, you know, you, uh, like, I think that's what also is so scary about this book in series. No Mm -hmm. one is safe. It's very much, these threats are real. And, yeah, they're to but any second, like, there are dark friends out there. There's, what,
1: like, ten more Forsaken out there that we don't know where they are who they well, are and uh, that being said and and with us having about 10 minutes left on the recording uh this is something i wanted to put out to you because this is where my uh sirens went off a bit and went yeah. uh-oh nobody is safe they are in the inn they are hanging out they're having a good time well not having a good time but they're just doing <laughs> their business business as usual and yeah moraine and lawn seem oblivious to the danger that Perrin can kind of smell out and it turns out they are our gray men and yes this is where shit hit the fan for me because our two strongest characters in the party had no idea this was going to happen there's no way to predict this oh yeah and all of a sudden we've got some new players in the game
0: yeah it is um rereading that passage i forgot how well it's done because uh it goes the girl still sang to the knot of listeners. Some men were strolling across the floor from the door, and Billy still leaned on the wall, tapping his foot to the sounds of the bittern. Nita patted her rolled hair, gave the room a quick glance, and turned to push the card away. Perrin is still looking around, still uh, checking things out, and then a little bit later he goes... He studied the room again. Billy against the wall, some men crossing the floor, the girl singing on the table, all the laughing men sitting around her. Crossing the floor. That's where I went. Oh, oh my. It's such a good, well paced, like, you can easily picture it on screen of like camera pans. You see the gray man coming, and it's just this, like,
1: boom. Yeah, so, uh, this, yeah, this to me is kind of where I had my oh shit moment because, again, I think Perrin's arc, I think he is going to learn a bit more about himself as a wolf brother i really do and i think whether he likes it or not he's going to be tapped into these instincts and these instincts aren't just turn on turn off they are a part of him uh and i think i think this is a bit of a tipping point that you know what it's going to be useful uh if if he wants to kind of keep making it out alive at the end of a chapter he's gonna have to tap into his wolf instincts a bit more Oh yeah
0: and he goes a little feral when in the attack of
1: uh with oh yeah i remember it, well that was a big part of like moraine and lon were afraid and that should make him afraid but he didn't feel afraid he felt excited like be like a wolf before the oh hunt. yeah it was very much
0: like he was on his haunches
1: yeah it, it's 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 really interesting to to i i love you know in any kind of fictional storyline i love the whole are we man or are we beast or are we a little bit of both and how do we separate the two and i feel like we're gonna get you know, without being like Frankenstein philosophical about it, I feel like we're going to get a bit of those themes with Perrin, yeah. and I'm very excited for that. Mark is definitely very interesting, and
0: you're going to love The Shadow Rising because that is a mostly Parent centered book. Yeah, it's a really interesting moment for Perrin, and we're kind of leaving him, both with these chapters and on the podcast, at such an interesting point because he, again, as you mentioned, he's a very gentle person, but he is capable of violence and you know i think that's something i'm sure you're curious to see how it plays out you know
1: well and every time he he gets into that and he does become a little feral he he kind of realizes in the back of his mind that he he likes it you know and that's kind of a, that's a freaky thing just as a human to reconcile cuz i think very much he's always been set up as kind of a gentle giant he doesn't want to yeah. He doesn't want violence, but when he's in the throes of battle, it feels like it's something he can't quite ignore, you know? So it's, uh, I'm excited. The chapter ends with Moiraine uh, and
0: Lan talking. Again, Moiraine tells Zareen, you can stay or you can go. And Zareen says, I'm staying, man. I made an oath to you all. That's the thing that we I should have mentioned. Moiraine binds Zareen to her oath. To the group that that's
1: right she like touches her forehead yeah she does like a little it, like, like abso- when that happened i did have a smaller like oh okay she's gonna be here for a long time oh yeah after that oh yeah and so it ends with
0: moraine going out but the where, now that i'm thinking of what you've been talking about about moraine's fate it is a little worrying because lon says do you mean to go without me lon said i pledged to keep you whole moraine when i took your bond You have always known there were some dangers you are not equipped to handle, my guidance. I must go alone. Moraine, she cut him off. Heed me, Lon. Should I fail, you will know it and you will be compelled to return to the White Tower. I would not change that even if I had time. I do not mean you to die in a vain attempt to avenge me. Take Perrin with you. It seems the Shadow has made his importance in the pattern known to me, if not clear. I was a fool. Rand is so strongly to Viren that I ignored what it must mean that he had two others close by him. With Perrin and Matt, the Omerlin may still be able to affect the course of events. With Rand loose, she will have to. Tell her what has happened, my Gaiden. You speak as if you are already dead, Lon said roughly. The wheel weaves as the wheel wills, and the shadow darkens the world. Heed me, Lon, and obey as you swore to. With that, she was gone
1: like I said, she is a woman that, you know, again, that writer's promise of whatever I say the character will be, they will be until the end of this story. She is a woman that will complete her objective or die trying. And I think that's what's going to happen. It's, you know, again, she's either going to puppeteer, pull the strings in such an amazing way that she is one step ahead of the group and myself as a reader, or, you know, I could totally see her being a bit of a martyr of of knowing that her place in the pattern means her time ends here. So that way the, you know, the wheel can continue to weave. Oh yeah. And with that, I think this is a good place to end with kind
0: of leaving these questions up in the air with what's going to happen to Moraine. Where are, because where we left Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elaine off, where are they headed off to? You know, How will this end? I want to create a channel of your predictions, and as we go through the series, kind of see what
1: comes to play. You know what I mean? (laughs) Just see how uh, how wrong, right, or batshit off I was. Oh yeah, I I like it.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, uh, fun.
1: No, I agree with you. I think this is a good place to wrap it up. I do have questions that I am excited to get answered because that's that's also another thing I'm really been liking about this book series. It's keeping my curiosity. It's keeping me asking questions and it's feeding me the answers in a very natural and fulfilling way as a reader. I I love it. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. We will have more of these. We are figuring out the the format a bit. We are figuring out the technological stuff, but We plan to do this until I am done with the series. We
0: are really excited
1: to be doing this.
0: I think this was a lot of fun. I love having an audience here so they can also be enjoying this with you. I'm really excited to see the future of this podcast. I know um, eventually we do want to do a live reaction and viewing to Winter's Dragon which is the failed pilot uh, that aired (laughs) in 2007, I believe. Thank you guys again for uh, coming out, taking some time to hang out with us, and uh, we'll see you next week.